what is it that makes a life of greatness? You know, we might think about uh, greatness is that my life would be great if I just had a lot of money. I mean, who doesn't want cold hard cash, right? So, so if I had a lot of money, then my life would be great because, well, then I could buy the boat I always wanted or, or that nice Jag with a, you know, the sunroof that just sparkles in the sunshine. And, or I could uh, you know, have the biggest bank account in town or, or have a house that's on the beach. Money would be what, what is what builds a life of uh, greatness. But you know, may, maybe it's not money. Maybe a life of greatness is more like a social status. That if I could just walk into the public like a movie star, everybody would see, you know, like I'm George Clooney, right? And, and I'd walk in and they'd go like, wow, there he is. And, and it's that social status. If I would only have that, then maybe then I could have a life of greatness. Well, others might think that a life of greatness is more career driven. That, um, you know, if, I, if I'm like the most important person in my company and, and my company is going to fail unless I'm the guy or the girl that they call upon to save the day. Or, or maybe I'm climbing the corporate ladder or I'm running in an elected office. When I can get to that point at the, at the pinnacle of the pyramid, then I've achieved a life of greatness. That that's what success is. Well, you know, it doesn't always work out that way, does it? It's, it's a little bit more than that. Well, let me tell you a story about a guy that, um, that, that he was rich. Um, he had uh, everything that one could imagine. He had power, he had prestige, he had social status. In fact, if you, if you thought about and talked about his life, um, you would say that he had it made, he had everything by the worldly standards. But what we find out is that what made this guy great was that none of the things that you or I might think is what makes a great life was really what made him have a great life. In fact, he had uh, other qualities that, that gave his life that was great. When you Google his name, if you called up his name on Google and you looked at it, it wouldn't be because he was rich, it wouldn't be because he was famous, it wouldn't be because you know, he had all these friends, but something else was the reason why uh, he was the person that he was. Now think about, it. here's a guy who had several brothers, and, and I come up from a family of uh, four boys, I'm the youngest of three, and y'all have heard me talk about my family before, and, and so he had, he had lots of brothers, and, and, but there was something that was going on in the household, you know, he really loved his brothers, but you know what, his brothers really hated him. And you think about why they hate him, well, you know, his father, Jacob, loved him so much that the other brothers got jealous about that. And they thought, wow, if dad loves him so much and not us, then, then we can't love our brother anymore. And, and the other thing that they didn't like about him was that he had an uncanny gift. Maybe you have a gift, but his gift was that he could interpret dreams. And someone would have a dream and they would sit down and they would explain it to him that this is what happened in my dream. And he would interpret that. I mean, think about it for a minute. You know, haven't we all always wanted somebody that we could call on like, hey, uh, I had this dream last night. Can you tell me what it was all about? I mean, like this one. Um, have you ever had a dream where we're in the middle of the night in your dream and you wake up and you go like, man, what happened to my dream? I lost all my teeth, you know, or, or maybe another dream where you're thinking about it and, and um, uh, all of a sudden everybody's clothed in your dream and you're buck naked. Has that ever happened? If it has, look to the person next to you and say, that's happened to me. No, don't do that. Uh, but anyway, so we see that, that sometimes those dreams um, happen and, and people need to interpret that. And this guy could interpret that, but this is what got him in trouble. He had a dream and he told his brothers this. He said, I had a dream that one day you all bow down before me. Now, all of his brothers 
um, young and old. Can you imagine what they thought? Now, if I said that to my three brothers, hey, I had a dream that one day you'd bow down before me, I can tell you exactly what they would do. They're like, what, what, what you talking about? There's no way. Uh, they wouldn't deal with that. And they were so angry about that. What'd they do? Well, they put him in a pit. And then while he was in a pit, um, they went and they had lunch and they're, they're sitting there, they're eating their tacos and their burritos and all the things that you do and, during lunch and, and they're, they're having a great time and they're having a gas. And, and while, they're, while they're talking about all of that, all of a sudden one of them comes up with the idea, why don't we sell him into slavery? Because we can't kill him. And that's what they do. They take their brother who loves them and they hate and they sell him into slavery. Well, let me tell you the story about a guy named Joseph. Joseph is a, is a guy that knew that God had his back. Have you ever thought about that? God, do you have my back? Have you ever prayed that prayer? God, this is going on, but I need you to have my back. You know, I, I want to believe that God has your back. In fact, that's what the scripture says. God has your back. And God had Joseph's back. And despite the circumstances that were happening in his life, God had his back and Joseph would prevail. Joseph would, through God's grace and God's help, Joseph would rise above everything that was happening and God would open a way. But it didn't just happen on a, on, on, by chance. God's purpose was living in Joseph's life. So Joseph says that, that we can live a great life. His life says we can live a great life, but that there are things that have to happen in our life, that we must have something called character. In fact, godly character. When God looked at Joseph, when Joseph was in trouble, God said, there's something in Joseph that I see its character and you know what it's not just Joseph that has that you know it says in the Genesis story that that you and I were made in the image of God and that God created us as through his own image and that means whereas we're not God's it means that we have the attributes it means we have all of what it is that God possesses love and mercy and grace but it also says that we have God's character and if we have God's character, that's something that's special in us. Now, you might be wondering today, well, well, I don't know if I have God's character. Let me tell you, you do. It's inside of you. And God's character is there. And all you've got to do is accept the fact that God is giving you his character and begin to live into that. And it's not too late. You can do that today. Begin living with that. Well, see, Joseph, things aren't going well. And you can imagine, thrown in a pit, sold into slavery. There's got to be instances when he's saying, like, dude, my life is over. I mean, what am I going to do now? I mean, everything that I had in my life isn't going to happen. And it's moments like this that can either destroy us or it's moments like that that can shape us. Now, think about those times when might have been when you've said the words that my life's over. Now, let's say that you're a student and you've like, you know, been studying really hard for the ACT or the SAT. In fact, a lot of our rising seniors this year have already begun that as I as I talk to them about you know, getting into college and all, they're talking to me about their scores. But let's say that you studied hard and you took all the, the classes and read all the books and you bombed out on the SAT or the ACT and you're thinking like, man, my life is over. Let's say that, that your nest egg that you've been saving all these years, you finally get a point in your life when you can say, I'm no longer going to work for the man, I'm going to work for myself and you're going to enjoy retirement. Then all of a sudden you find out that something comes out from left field that you never would have expected and it just begins to dwindle the nest egg that you have. And you're gonna say, man, my life is over. What if you're working in the dream job you've always wanted? You know, the dream job. I, all my life I wanted to do this and you're excited and you're happy and, and you don't even care if they pay you. You just, it's your dream job, you love to be there. And then all of a sudden cutbacks come, layoff, you're terminated, you're fired. You look at that and you say, my life is over. 
You know, Joseph was one of those guys that, that his life was really built upon hard knocks. And, and, and he really could have said those words, my life is over. But just when you think your life is over, just when you think the hard knocks are going to just knock you out of the park, listen to what the story about Joseph has to say. Let me read out of Genesis chapter 31, or 39, verses 1 through 6. Listen to what it says. Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph. I've underlined that for emphasis. Remember that. The Lord was with Joseph. And he prospered and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. And when his master saw that, here it is again, that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything that he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Now Potiphar put him in charge of his household. Now what that means is it's not that you know he's like his butler or something. It means that he's in charge of his entire estate and that he oversees all of his assets, everything that he has, everything he possibly owns. So he puts him in charge of the household and he entrusted to his care everything that he owns. And from that time, he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. So because Joseph was in Potiphar's life, Potiphar's now being blessed. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. And so he left in Joseph's care everything he had. And with Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. I said earlier that, that God saw something in Joseph, and it's that character. And like I said, you too have that character. So Joseph built his life upon godly character. That's a point that I really want us to make here. Say it with me. Joseph built his life on godly character. And as we look at that, what does that mean? Well, I'm drawn that in this verse, in this chapter and verses that I just read to you, it says three times that, that the Lord was with Joseph. You know, Joseph was dependable. Um, what, what he said he would do, he would do. Joseph was honest. Joseph knew what the difference was between right and wrong. And even though uh, Joseph had been sold into slavery, Potiphar recognizes the qualities of the life of God in Joseph's life. And he promotes him to this highest level because Joseph remained a man of godly character. You see, as Christ followers, we've got to remember that. We can't just say that everyone else needs a character, be, have character. Our public officials need to be ones with character. Our church leaders need to be one with character. We all need character, and it's so important. And, and we're called to tap into that, and, and that's the important part is today. Tap into the fact that God has placed his character in you because he's made you in his image, and that character is yours. Careful, character is a, it's a powerful tool of witness when it, when it comes to being a follower of Jesus. Because when you're a follower of Jesus, then, then you aren't ashamed of your actions. When you do the right thing because it's what Christ would do, it's what Jesus would do, you don't have any, any reason to be ashamed. It's unabashed. I, I'm bold with what I do. When you're a follower of Jesus, you know the words and actions that you use on others, that they're not words that you design to harm somebody or to tear them down or to embarrass them, but the words and the actions that you choose, your godly character says that I'm going to do what I have to to build up the other person that everything about what I say and do is going to help build them up. When you're a follower of Jesus, you don't have to hide what you do in private. What you are is who you should be. And your life should be transparent. That we can't be someone at home behind closed doors 
or somewhere else hiding in what our behavior is but out in public we want everybody else to think about who we are we have to be consistent and character helps our lives be consistent the reason why I love the story of Joseph is that it, it's a great reminder that that even though we possess the strong godly character in our lives that things are gonna happen things are gonna happen so so listen to this let me keep reading in Genesis 36 now Joseph was well built and handsome does, folks does that remind you of anybody you're listening to his voice right now well built handsome and after a while his his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said come be with me now remember earlier when I told you that Potiphar had elevated Joseph to be in charge of his entire estate that meant that he was the one in charge of all of his family affairs and remember back then women were seen as as chattel or as property so even Joseph had what uh, could tell Potiphar's wife what to do because he was acting on behalf of the master but what we find here is that um, Potiphar trusted Joseph so much that that he gives him everything that he has because he sees the godly character that's in him so let let's think this through for a second Joseph's a good-looking guy um, he's attractive uh, he's got a winsome behavior people would love to be around him and Potiphar Potiphar's no slouch folks I mean he's an Egyptian all-star he he's in the higher caliber of Pharaoh he's, he's married to a Victoria's Secret model okay so his wife is this beautiful beautiful woman and and there's nobody there all the servants are gone it's just she and Pot and, and Joseph and she's making sexual advances at him she's saying you're gonna go to bed with me now think about that for a second she's drop-dead gorgeous they're all alone who's gonna know about it well can you imagine that that internal battle that's going on inside of Joseph I mean listen he's a human being he has temptations he has hungers and he has attractions and things like that and it is temptations so huge he has a beautiful woman flirting with him and making every seductive move to get him into her bed but folks tell me that God isn't gracious he is gracious why because he gave Joseph the character and the integrity and the power to overcome that temptation and Joseph did just that because he was a man of God godly character and unshakable integrity so let me ask you this morning this is a great time for us to kind of reflect for a second I mean what did you do the last time that nobody was watching what about that time that you knew that you could kind of manipulate things a little bit more to your advantage and a disadvantage to someone else did you take that opportunity to do that what about you know we're all kind of live in a society of rules you know there's rules there's laws there's things but there's also that moral code that we have right and that moral code says that we have a godly character and we have sinful character and God says choose holiness God says choose holy character so what about when we like get close to that line between right and wrong have you ever pushed that have you ever got like right up to it just to see kind of another step can I get there up oh, oh, dippy toe nope I don't want to get in there does that ever happen maybe when no one was looking you stepped over the line you see every day we're challenged by this aren't we we're challenged with with everything that happens and 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 everything that can come our way when you find yourself at the intersection of of this is where the rubber hits the road between right and wrong what is it that you're gonna do what's the character that makes you for a life of greatness so even though Joseph stands his ground and, and he remains faithful things get worse for him 
I mean, Potiphar's wife, she, she falsely accuses Joseph as, as making advances back at her. She tells her husband that they had an affair. It's all a lie, and the scripture tells us it never happened, but yet her ego is so bruised, so damaged, she's just spouting off everything because she wants to get revenge back on poor old Joseph. So what happens? Well, guess what happens, you know? Potiphar throws him in jail. Potiphar says, you're done. But yet, you know, every time that his wife tempted Joseph, Joseph said, there's no way I could betray God. There's no way I could betray my friend. I'm not going to do it. And yet, even though, even though he walked a, a life of righteousness, a, a life of goodness, a life that was kind of uh, on the straight and narrow, on the right path, it, it didn't work out the way he had hoped. Here's what the Proverbs said. Wicked people bring about their own downfall by their evil. But good people, good people are protected by their integrity. Now, some of you might be thinking, Bob, this is, this is just too hard. I mean, this teaching, I can't live with this. This is just way too hard. How in the world am I supposed to deal with this? You're, you're raising the bar. You're asking me to be perfect. Folks, that's not at all what I'm saying. God is gracious. God is good. And the fact, but God calls us, though, to live into that standard of holiness. He calls us to live into that that way of character, that way of integrity. And God wants us to choose that because he has placed it in us. He wants us to live into that. But you know what? When you choose to live a life like that, things don't always work out the way that you want. In fact, when you choose to live a life full of integrity, the opposite effect can happen. Your boss tells you to fudge the numbers. You refuse to do it. Guess what? You get fired. A friend invites you to partake in unsavory gossip about someone else that you both know. You don't want to do that either. So you tell your friend, I'm not going to participate in unsavory gossip. I'm not going to talk about someone else. And guess what? Your friendship with them ends at that very moment. See, living a godly life of character also means that, that there's times that you're going to look at it. You're going to say, like, the cost is just too great. And you're going to be tempted to say that it's so much easier to have more loose values and loose benefits and things like that, that I don't really need to live a life of godly character and integrity. But look at Joseph. You know, Potiphar's wife serves up this big fat lie and Potiphar gets fired. He loses his job. He gets thrown in jail. But what happens? God continues to pour his favor upon Joseph and Joseph trusts in God's goodness. Say that with me. Joseph trusts in God's goodness. Trusting in God, good, God's goodness is so, so important. In fact, if you were to finish the story of Joseph, and I encourage you to read it, if you were to finish the story of Joseph, you'd find out how God is, is faithful in, in, in the midst of Joseph trusting into his goodness. Joseph is promoted in prison, out of prison, to be the number two person in all of Egypt. He serves right under Pharaoh. So he now is a man of power. He is now a man of prestige because they begin to see that this gift that he has of reading dreams, but more importantly, that his character, his integrity is intact. He becomes this powerful person. He remains consistent. Even though he could have power over others, even Potiphar, he chooses not to harm him. But the story ends when Joseph's brothers come to him. There's a famine in all the land. And one of the dreams that Pharaoh had was that, a, that something would happen. And Joseph interpreted it, and it said that a great famine was coming and that Pharaoh and all of Egypt needed to store up all this grain so when the famine comes, they would have enough food to feed their people. Well, the Hebrews had no idea of all this was going to happen. Jacob, Joseph's father, and all of his brothers, they had no idea. Famine strikes the land, so what do they do? They make their pilgrimage to Egypt. They find themselves 
bowing down to the number two person in Egypt, guess who it is? It's Joseph. They don't recognize him, but he recognizes who they are. Now let me ask you, here's a guy who with just one command could put them to death. In one instance, he could say, no grain for you, you're going to die. What would you do? Think about when someone has just really pulled the rug out from under your life, someone who's really harmed you. What would you do if they came to you seeking forgiveness and mercy or begging for mercy? You know, what we learn from the story is so important. Joseph has a choice. His choice was over, over how his life would matter. He could choose to be vengeful or he could choose to become an instrument of God's grace. When you and I are confronted with these kinds of decisions, the ones with these ethical outcomes, we have a choice. And the choice calls us to return to the roots of what we are, to, to remember. And it's not just to be like a thought of, oh, I remember what my family's roots are, but to remember the foundation of our roots of faith. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to remind ourselves to return to that place? One of my favorite videos is The Lion King. Still love it today. Watch it with my grandkids. And uh, there's, a, there's a scene where uh, Simba, who is the son of Mufasa, Mufasa was the great king of the jungle, the great lion, ruled with great authority but fairness, had strong character. Mufasa is killed by his brother. Simba now is to become king, but, but Simba is afraid. And he's not really sure if he has what it takes, the character to become the king like his father was, a king who could rule with, with greatness over the people to keep harmony in the animal kingdom. So in the midst, his uncle Scar takes power and the whole animal kingdom is thrown into disarray. So Simba is on a journey. He's looking. He's trying to find his roots. He's trying to remember. And he's brought to a place by his friend Rafiki. And he's searching for the answers to find hope. Watch this. That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No. Look hard. You see, he lives in you. go back. I'm not who I used to be. Remember who you are. You are my son and the one true king. Remember who you are. Let me ask you, how do you live a life of greatness? 
you have to remember who you are. But let me rephrase that. Not, not who you are. You have to remember, we have to remember whose we are. And when we remember that we are royalty, we are sons and daughters of a king, then we know the character matters. God's blessings upon all of you. Amen.